Hello and welcome to Cutting the Ball in the Post Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben. I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. And Claire. Hey. Today we're going to talk about Operation Cone of Power, which is basically British witches versus Nazis. Mm-hmm. Alright. Um, apologies to anyone who was expecting Rendlesham, right? But I saw this in the week and I was like, I really want to talk about that. That's pretty cool. And a familiar friend of the show comes back at the end. Do you know who that is? Mr. Crowley, probably. Did he say, say it properly? <sighs> Mr. Crowley. Mr. Crowley! Comes back at the end. God, I've got to do everything myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> but before we get into that, let's thank some new and returning listeners. Let's, let's start with uh, Mould in the United Kingdom. Sounds up a lovely place to live. Auckland, New Zealand, uh, Newark, New Jersey. Looking forward to that Sopranos movie set in Newark. Is it a movie? I thought it was a new series. No, it's The Many Saints of Newark. It's a Sopranos prequel movie. Oh, is it a movie? Is I it? believe it is. Oh, I thought it was a series. Pretty sure it's a movie, but I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure a movie. Uh, Santiago in Chile. Dallas, Texas. Vienna, Austria. Uh, Nairobi in Kenya. Wow. Honmachi in Japan. Oh, do yourself a favour, mate. Don't listen to the Om Shinriko episodes because I butcher every single Japanese pronunciation in that and you will not like me. Singapore, Singapore, Lima, Peru, Cayley, United Kingdom, Salida, Colorado. Keely, I think it is. Keely, whatever. Oh, hang on. Zapupan in Mexico. I love that place. I love that one. I live there. Liberty, Missouri, Seattle, Washington, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. Uh, Chicago, Illinois, Brussels into the top ten, Indianapolis, Indiana, yeah. uh, Zaragoza in Spain, Bengaluru in India, Atlanta, Georgia, Madrid, Spain, Boardman, Oregon, you've been away a while, hello, Ashburn, Virginia, you two, Farmington I haven't seen before, Missouri, and Guadalajara, Spain. Thank you, Thank you very much for listening. It boosts my own fragile ego, as I'm sure it boosts everybody else's in this room. Really? Well, oh, I keep telling trying to destroy it. He huh? listen, never listens to me, does he? No. <laughs> it's like a bro- bro- broken record. He says it every week. Oh, no. <laughs> it's catchphrase. It's catchphrase. Yeah. yeah. All right, then. Um, let's start with a, a bit of a definition of modern Wicca, although it could be argued that Cone of Power predates modern Wicca, but it was allegedly the operation is involved the guy who set up modern Wicca. So we must have drawn it from the past a little bit. So Wicca, also termed pagan witchcraft, is a modern pagan religion. Scholars of religion categorise it as both a new religious movement and part of the occultist stream of Western esotericism. Yeah. Mm. That's good, yeah. It was developed in England during the first half of the 20th century and was introduced to the public in 1954 by Gerald Gardner, a retired British civil servant. It draws upon a diverse set of ancient pagan and 20th century hermetic motifs motifs for its theological structure and ritual practices with no central authority figure. Mm. He sounds pretty central. If he's introducing yeah, it. It was literally, uh, there was him and a high priestess and as soon as they kind of went, no one bothered replacing them. It's, it's decentralised. Yeah, each um, sort of little sect is referred to as a tradition within its own, with its own organisational structure and level of centralisation. Due to its decentralised nature, there is some disagreement over what actually constitutes Wicca. 
Some traditions collectively referred to as British traditional wicker strictly follow a gardener's model, whereas others go with new eclectic traditions. Okay, it's duotheistic, worships a god and a goddess. That's nice. The horned god and the triple goddess. I mean, they all sort of... They tried to link it back in with British Druidism and that because British Druidism was wiped off the map by the Romans and Druids never wrote anything down. So all you had was uh, some oral word text. of mouth, oral history, and if you wipe out all the people who have... Funny enough, Claire, you, practiced it, yeah. you were in Anglesey. That was the centre of the Druidic faith was it? in Britain. It was a sacred isle. So the Druids had all their groves and everything, and that's where the Druids were trained. And, and they were highly inbred. Anglesey, yeah. Well, the Druids could come from all over. Well, yeah, I'm just... Because Anglesey was separated isolated, from the mainland yeah. and isolated. I mean... It would have been. Yeah, until the bridge came. There's a bridge in it that connects them. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. of bridges there. There's an RAF base here that's been there for years and all, hasn't there? Yeah, I went past that the other day. I went on a trip to the beach, listeners. <laughs> That, that's wicket. Obviously, it's a massive thing. That's kind of trying to sum it up in a nutshell. But how many gonna... followers? They're followers. How many followers? Oh, we're we talking millions, hundreds of thousands. I'd imagine a few thousand, maybe hundred thousand somewhere. I don't know. And no, people don't tend to own up to it. It's something they do in private. Uh, there's a whole chapter dedicated to sex magic. <laughs> well, they're always sky clad if they do a ceremony. That's naked underneath the sky. That's how the ceremonies are performed, so I'd imagine there is some sex magic going on. It would have been pretty cool to be a druid, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it would have. They get long capes and robes, don't they? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it, it, it's sort of linked in with paganism, uh. and it shares a lot of common ground. You know? Hundreds of thousands of practising Wiccans around the globe, 2016. Maybe 800,000. Okay, not that many, then. So, yeah, but a lot of people wouldn't own up to it because it's considered like... Oh, yeah, in some countries it's probably... You know, you can probably get stoned to death yeah, for it yeah. in some countries. And because, you know, you've got the pentagram as part of the whole setup, haven't you? A lot of people see it as Satanism and then more bad Satanism. It's still not going to be more than five million, is it? No. Oh, no, no. Anyway, let's go on to Operation Cone of Power. When British witches attacked Adolf Hitler. Personally. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. So it was the summer of 1940, just three weeks after the narrow escape by the British armies at Dunkirk, and the United Kingdom was braced for the onslaught of a threatened German invasion. And it was. It was yeah. a bit shit, to say the least. Got our asses handed to us. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'd left all the tanks, all the heavy equipment, we were struggling to give people rifles, the Home Guard were using spears. You know. How did they capture? Quite a few, wasn't it? Um, no, most of the British Army got away. There were, there were. I think there's about, um, I think there were about ten thousand captured, maybe mm. more. A lot of the French Army was captured. They still got three hundred thousand French off the beach as well. All oh, right, okay. But all the heavy equipment, some of the best troops as well. Yeah, like the Highland Division was forced to surrender. They were considered one of the best best divisions. Were cut off. So on the nation's south coast, one of many areas in danger of invasion from the sea. Towns and villages were transformed by sandbags, barricades and barbed wire into coastal redoubts where volunteers kept watch on the sea and the sky. The Battle of Britain was yet to reach its peak, but the drone of enemy planes could be heard flying overhead. 
In the town of Highcliffe-on-Sea, the story goes, a secretive group of witches and spiritual seekers resolved to do what they could to defend their country. It's said they arranged to meet in an ancient forest before midnight on August 1st, 1940. Already alarm bells. Mm-hmm. Why? It's said. Who said? Who yeah. said that? Gardner in his book. Oh, okay. But it's disputed, and we'll get to that at the end. Okay. It's disputed by another source. August 1st, 1940, the eve of Lamas Day, a harvest festival and one of the greatest Sabbaths of the neo-pagan religion known as Wicca. They are said to have staged a magical assault on the mind of Adolf Hitler in distant Berlin by means of a ritual that became known by the mock military codename Operation Cone of Power. Hmm. It's pretty metal. Mm Mm-hmm. According to Gerald Gardner, the retired British civil servant who founded Modern Wicca, the magical assault was based on secret knowledge passed down through generations of English witches. In his 1954 book Witchcraft Today, Gardner wrote that the invasions have been turned back twice by magic in English history. Were they sleeping in 1066? <laughs> Didn't have time. Mm. <laughs> I suppose actually, you know, thinking about it, the Spanish Armada was quite a long, drawn-out affair, and so was Napoleon's thing, and so was Hitler's. The Normans just kind of turned up, didn't they? Plus, they didn't have time. So the first in 1588, when the Spanish Armada became discouraged after being scattered by storms, and then in 1805, when Napoleon called off his planned invasion of England. Yeah. Storms, a storm coming, it must be the witches. It could be argued that, you know, the Royal Navy being the powerful force that it was also helped. Yeah in those matters, especially with Napoleon. Because after Trafalgar, after they lost Trafalgar in 1805, they were like, wow, British sea power is just actually really too good and we've just lost most of our navy. So let's just give up on that and invade Russia instead. Uh, yeah, that might well. Suicide, wouldn't it, really? Yeah, you can't, if you can't control the channel when you're trying to invade England, you've lost already, haven't you? Yeah. So, an English folktale relates that the British Admiral at the time of the Armada, Francis Drake joined a group of sea witches. I don't know what a sea witch is, but it sounds pretty fucking cool. Is it like a sea hag? I, I hope so. Like Grendel? I know, I'm hoping that it's just like a bunch of old wizened hags mm-hmm. with cloaks, and they're like, yes, we can create storms. And that's what they do, and he, he got involved with it. Well, why not if you've got that in your locker? <laughs> Use it, yeah. Use it. Didn't uh, the Nazis have witches then? They had a cult and a court department, but again, we'll get to that at the oh, end. okay. So, yes, they, he joined these group of sea witches at a headland called Devil's Point, um. near the naval port of Plymouth, to attack the approaching Spanish ships with a magical storm. Uh. It is said that on foggy days at Devil's Point, the disembodied chants of Drake and the witches can still be heard. And, in the ni- early 19th century, Gardner wrote... Another group of English witches cast spells to deter Napoleon. I love it. This, like, just reaches out and grabs him by the nuts. Witchcraft today, it sounds a bit newspapery, doesn't it? That was the book he wrote, which kind of founded Wicca, yeah. Witchcraft today. But, no, I, I love this. I just, I, you know, I'm a bit of a fan of the occult and the esoteric. Mm. And... I'm not an expert by any stretch of imagination. I don't... I mean, I've never tried ritual magic with a K. 
I've had a look at it and I've tried to listen to people talking about it, but it blows my fucking head. Uh, I have no idea what's going on. I am a spiritual void. But I like the idea that people think that you can alter people's minds or the the, the universe to your will by using of course, ancient powerful symbols. Who doesn't want to think that? And ritual. It's very tempting to build. To want to think that. And butt sex. But is there any evidence? There's just no evidence for it, is there? But the magic is in the butt. That's what Crowley said. <laughs> well, you know, just because you, you, you're chanting sort of bad things towards... You know, were they chanting them at Napoleon? I don't know if they said Napoleon, but... Or just chanting... But did they really create a magical storm? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Storms happen all the time. Mm-hmm. They did, but they often happen at very fortuitous times. The Armada, the um, the kamikaze wind that stopped the Mongol invasion of Japan. They've made history, storms have. Yeah, and how many battles where it didn't make a difference? Probably a lot more. It be some low pressure, won't it? Just coincidence, isn't it? Yeah. God, you're so close-minded. <laughs> the Gardner claimed that similar rituals were used in 1940 against a Nazi leader by a secretive coven of witches who lived around Highcliffe. And a quote, Witches did cast spells to stop Hitler landing after France fell, he wrote in Witchcraft Today. They met... They raised a great cone of power and directed the thaw to Hitler's brain. You cannot cross the sea. Just as their great-grandfathers had done to Boney and their remote forefathers had done to the Spanish Armada. Oh, I love that. I'm not saying they stopped Hitler, Gardner added. All I say is that I saw a very interesting ceremony performed with the intention of putting a certain idea into his mind. And though all the invasion barges were ready, the fact is that Hitler never even tried to come. He did. He tried to soften us up by air first, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, the major thing to take away from this is that Hitler couldn't invade Britain without getting air superiority. Yeah. Yeah. So once he hasn't got that, he yeah, I can't... Put, I put that down to the brave Spitfire pilots. And Hurricane pilots and... <laughs> yeah. yeah. From all nationalities. Because yeah. he wasn't... Like a lot of Polish. Polish, oh man... Polish, South African, I think there was a Hawaiian dude, New Zealand, Czechs, Poles, French, Dutch, Canadians, Canadians, Australians, Indians, Indians, Jamaicans, I mean a couple of I think as well. Gurkhas. (laughs) No, we just used the Gurkhas because they were scarier with knives. Because a Gurkha would probably fly the plane, but then jump out of the plane with his knife and try and stab the other pilot to death. <laughs> because they're mad. I'm very glad they're on our side. Yeah. <laughs> we should treat them better. We should do. You're absolutely right. We should do. They should have full citizenship yeah. rights and the same pension as every other single British soldier who served. The fact that when Harry went to Afghanistan, they didn't give him guardsmen as bodyguards. They gave him Gurkhas, I think speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. The British author and Wiccan Philip Heselton, who has researched Operation Cone of Power for Witchfather, his biography of Gardner and several other books, thinks that 17 people took part in the Lamas Eve ritual in 1940, including members of a local family said to be descended from witches. They were joined by several Highcliff residents like Gardner, who had met through a local dramaturgical group, dramaturgical, a drama group then, I'm guessing, called the Rosicrucian Curatona Fellowship, which had links to older esoteric groups such as the Co-Masons, a form of Freemasonry that admitted women, and the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, 
one of the oldest magical societies in the country. And who was a member of that, to begin with? Mr Crowley. Right. Yeah. I like the fact there's a bunch of Freemasons that admit women. Well, I don't think there should be any secretive societies. I thought you said, for a second, I honestly thought you said, I honestly don't think women should be led in the Freemasons. I thought that was where you were going. I was like, whoa! I don't bloody belong there. I should be in the kitchen. Do you not make me a Mason soon? No. Oh, well. Well, okay then. But being there in local politics, I thought I might get inducted into the Freemasons. Well, maybe. Well, Okay. So Hesselton believes the group met in the New Forest, a few miles north of Highcliffe, near an ancient gallows tree called the Naked Man, and made their way by foot to the site selected for the ritual near woodland called Fernie Knapp Enclosure. In a forest clearing surrounded by pines, Hesselton wrote in Witchfather, they marked out a witch's circle, the stage of their magical efforts. In place of a traditional bonfire, perhaps a fear of being spotted by enemy aircraft, a valid concern. Mm. Remember, the entire country is on blackout. All local air defence wardens who would come along and tell you to put the damn fire out mm. and arrest you, probably, or take you to the police. A flashlight or shuttered lantern may have been placed to the east of the witch's circle in the direction of Berlin as a focus for their magical assaults. Naked or sky-clad, as Wiccan say, they began to dance in a spiralling pattern around the field, around the circle, building up to the communal ecstatic state that they believe can control magical forces. So I can assume that you're dancing around, you're nude, you're doing chanting, you're getting worked up, yep. and at the climax of all of that, that's when the power is transmitted through that cone of power and enables you to, con- to the- believe you can control magical forces. They all just like, you know, flop on the ground when, uh, when it's all like, you know, over and done. Uh, there may well have been a few orgasms involved as well. Quite a few cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that good for you? Yeah. Do you feel that good for you, Adolf? <laughs> as they cha- danced, their chants echoed the magical formula Gardner said had been used in the earlier ceremonies against the Armada and Napoleon a psychological assault on the mind of Adolf Hitler that they hoped would weaken his resolve to invade England. So so you've got... um, It's the same thing. Do not cross a sea. Do not cross a sea. It has power. It's been used. It's been successful before. Allegedly. Yeah. God, man. (laughs) Historians have found no direct evidence beyond the writings of Gardner himself for the ritual. Which make, would make sense, because it's not going to be publicised. They're going to send out a Facebook invite, are they? Oh, we're doing a ritual to stop Britain being invaded. You should all come along. We're all going to get nude and fuck. You know, this is a coven. This is a group of people who've been doing this in private, in secret, for years. So do they practice it on their own in their homes as well as the sort of... There'd be certain rituals they would do in the home. Mm. Even lighting oils, candles, certain herbs, things like that. But for the big things, you need to be—you have to channel your collective will. Did they take anything before they did the dancing and chanting? Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about mind-altering substances. Well, that's a, an magic interesting... mushrooms. They're going to do that shit, aren't they? Have a religious experience and in a shared delusion. Well, it's not a delusion. <laughs> they're casting, they're projecting their thoughts through the yeah, code. I don't believe you can do that. 
They were okay with remote viewing. What's the difference? I wasn't right with remote. You said you said something to it. I, I said it's, it's something to look into. I don't know, man. I, I'm I, I'm kind. Of, I'm almost on board for magic with a K. Oh yeah. Yeah. However, the events you described have become important legends amongst modern Wiccans, says Professor Sabrina Maglico of an, anth- an anthropologist and folklorist at California State University, Northridge, and an initiate, initiated Gardnerian witch. She says that, frankly, she doesn't know if the Kona power ritual really occurred, because, you know, as a folklorist, she's more interested in the narratives. But... You know, they tell us what people want to be true, even if the stories are not 100%, which, is as folklore goes, is fairly accurate, I'd say. Yeah. Based on a kernel of truth, probably, somewhere. Yeah. Whether or not the ritual happened, it tells us something about what those witches wanted to be true. It's about the power of witches to do something that is nearly impossible, and it's also about the patriotism of these witches. It also talks about the power of witchcraft to channel the energies of the earth, of nature, through their bodies, to create the cone of power. I think if they believe in it and they're not hurting anybody, it's. Why don't they challenge the uh, channel to the prime minister to allow Wicca to be taught in all the schools, or do it to prominent people in government? Or you see, before Gardner wrote that book, nothing was written down, was it? It was all passed down, mother to daughter. What I'm saying they've got this power, mm-hmm. and they can make the most dangerous man in the world Adolf Hitler at the time stop invading Britain can't they do any other stuff? Such as? Well anything example he, I just gave He suggested like, like you said towards yeah. the Prime Minister to do X, Y or Z you know whichever whatever they want really I guess I, just, I can see that but every so school's like Hogwarts <laughs> <laughs> no, I think more of a you don't want. You want to further your cause, wouldn't you? Yeah, but you also like, want. Fuck, only... got this power. Let's let's all use it for yeah, good. Yeah, but you also want only trained initiates of that. Well, that's why you have schools. But what if we get a Voldemort? More people you get trained, the more likely you are to have a Voldemort, aren't you? Yeah. You keep this in the bloodlines. You're descended from oh. ancient witches. To the bloodlines. It's there, this it? country you knowledge. Can't just join, join this, like you know. You got to be. You can join. A Wiccan Coven, if you want to hunt You're not a true out. witch, you're a muggle. Yeah. But, and you can learn the ways of, and do the rituals described in that book, but this is like older, isn't it? This is a deeper, older, it's part, it's woven into the, the fabric of our land, this kind of thing, I think. Yeah, I think, but it's like every religion, I just... People no, because Christianity is boring as fuck. I think it's Peter well, Dad, isn't it? You know, there are still, like, you know... There's thousands of other religions in the world. We don't know what goes on in, like, little isolated communities in the country in terms of this stuff, or if there's people meet up in woods where no one goes in the deep, dark parts of the, the Welsh valleys or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not arguing that. I'm just arguing they're not doing anything. It's just make-believe, that's what I'm saying. Maybe they only get involved when the country's at <laughs> stake. What's the climate crisis got to do something about that? Maybe they are, we just don't know about it. But now we're up, don't they? <laughs> well, you'd think they, they'd like to, you know, being one with nature and... Yeah. I mean, they're a secretive bunch, these Wiccans. I don't know, that's where I stand with it. This is some real evidence. I, I think... Uh, I just want some guy writing a book. I can't... I'm not down with it. Coming off the fence, I think something like this did happen. I can't see why it wouldn't. No. 
I think it's cool. My argument is it made no difference whatsoever. Well, it didn't invade. Chalk it up for a win. (laughs) Same as Bonaparte, same as the Spanish Armada. Didn't win, didn't get here, chalk it up. I mean, obviously, certain other um, outside outside events influenced the final decision. Um, You know, storms, the pluckiness of the Royal Navy in 1588, the might of it in 1805, and the Battle of Trafalgar, and then again the, the... uh, heroic resistance by the RAF in the Battle of Britain and the fact we also had, still had a massive Royal Navy and the Germans had didn't have a surface yeah. fleet didn't work against the Romans didn't work against the Vikings didn't work against the Normans maybe they had uh, more powerful gods than us oh right well, yeah. think oh, of the, the, the people on the other side that <laughs> were into the occult on the other side they were yeah. praying harder <laughs> as you say we've got a spiritual cold oh, war like, going yeah yeah <laughs> like, you know like oh, this, you know oh, both sides. Oh, I like it. I like it. Pushing like this sort of invisible, well, I don't know, invisible but like tangible, but like you know, back and forth. Maybe we weren't just. I mean, the Nazis loved the occult. They were really into it, and we'll get into that in a, in a second. But you know, maybe it was like, well, you know what? Maybe that maybe if there is something to that shit, we don't want to be left behind on it, do we? No. But as a true scientist, I'd say. I need evidence before I can believe. Yeah, but it's not like we're throwing tens of millions of pounds into this as a secret weapon. We're just like, oh, go on, then do going to do your ritual, see what happens. Build some more tanks, just in case. I'd like some scientists to go and see these witches and try and verify what powers they can. They have got them, what they can do. That'd be fantastic. Do it. I'm like all to, for it. I like to think this leads us to a Hellboy-style scenario. But I bet if a scientist goes around and I want to see, I bet they become very defensive. Yeah. As will anyone, any religious person do when you challenge their beliefs. Yeah. You know, look at that documentary Religious with Bill Mayer when he goes around challenging Christians and Jews and people and people of the Islamic faith, and they're like, "You get the fuck out." He says something you, they don't like. Yeah, get the fuck out now. Yeah. You challenge someone's beliefs, and they get very defensive. It's going to happen, especially if you got some scientist turning up in his lab coat with his beakers and his Bunsen burner uh, saying okay let's measure the effects of your code of power uh, <laughs> they're going to be you know they're going to be pissed aren't they but like you walking into Catholic church during mass and going it's just biscuits and wine uh, doesn't do anything but do you know what I'm not against anybody believing what they want to believe they can but I need proof before I can believe it that's all it is pretty simple well I want to believe so, Gardner wrote about Operation Cone of Power in two books about witchcraft in the 1950s. But questions about his version of events arose in the 1970s when they were challenged by Armado Crowley, a writer who claimed to be the son and magical heir of the famous British occultist and writer... I'm magical heir! <laughs> I'm the magical heir! <laughs> Watch me dance! <laughs> Fucking ego on this guy! <laughs> he was a magical heir of the famous British occultist and writer and self-proclaimed wickedest man in the world, Mr Crowley! A little bit of Alistair Crowley. I point out for my own limited knowledge of Crowley, and he is a guy will come back and explain more in one day when I finish that book, I know that he had three daughters of only one survived, I think. Um, unless he was... This guy's uh, born out of wedlock. More than likely. He never certainly admitted to having a son. Let's put it that way. Uh, Armando Crowley wrote the ritual described by Gardner as a fiction based on a real wartime ritual 
carried out by his father, uh. which he had witnessed as a boy. He claimed this ritual dubbed Operation Mistletoe had taken place in the Ashdown Forest in Sussex in early 1941, with a detachment of Cajun, Canadian... Was it Cadian now? I've been reading too much Warhammer 40,000. Canadian soldiers dressed in wizardly robes and a dummy in a Nazi uniform seated on a throne. That's something... That's very Crowley-ish. Mm. Yeah. That's more Crowley-ish. That's some proper... It won't apparently to be sodomised the Canadian soldiers afterwards. He probably sodomised the <laughs> dummy, or he was sodomised in turn by the Canadian soldiers. He did love some butt sex. <laughs> he certainly wasn't sodomy free. He, no, 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 he was not. But then again, that's to get the magic, you see. To get the greater magic, you have to be degraded. Towards the end of life, he was eating shit. To get the greater power, because that's sort of... Going too far, then, ain't you? Yeah. When you're eating shit, it's time to call it a day. <laughs> that's my rule. We, we did an episode... It involves yeah. just shit-eating. Yeah. <laughs> you've gone too far. Too far. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to Crowley one day. We did an episode on him when we were very new and weren't very good at this, and I want to go back and with a bit more knowledge and, and revisit that episode. Well, we didn't do... An episode on him, he featured in the same He featured very heavily in it. Yeah, he did, yeah. So, now, in yet another version of Operation Mistletoe, related by author Richard Spence in his 2008 book, Secret Agent 666, Alistair Crowley, British Intelligence and the Occult, the British authorities only wanted the superstitious Nazi leaders to learn that they were being attacked by British magic. That makes more sense. But after the plan was dropped... Crowley went ahead on his own anyway. Yeah. And there is some evidence that Crowley wrote to Churchill offering his services as well as naval intelligence uh, and he never received a reply. But knowing Crowley and knowing that man's own self-importance, he'd go ahead and damn well do it anyway. Yeah. That's just propaganda, isn't it? To get, get the, you know, the Nazis scared yeah, yeah. or get them on the back foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Armando Crowley claimed that one result of his father's magical attack on the Third Reich was the bizarre episode in 1941 when the Nazi deputy leader Rudolf Hess made an unexpected solo flight across the North Sea in a Messerschmitt fighter plane. I, I never knew about this until recently. Right. Do you know? No. Yeah, this is actually really mental, and I'll, I'll go into a little bit in a second once I've read this, this little bit. He bailed out by parachute over Scotland because he had lost his way and ran out of fuel. He made the journey in the misguided belief that he could single-handedly convince the British to make peace with Germany, but he ended up in prison until he died in 1987. Now, 1941, Britain's like holding its own here. It's a battle of Britain's at its peak. Britain's getting bombed daily, and Churchill's kind of keeping us in the war with his oratory. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll fight them on the beaches, the landing fields. We'll never give up, we'll never surrender. The V symbol... Allegedly, I read today, was actually brought up by Crowley to come to the swastika. Symbols uh, have power. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they do. I believe that. V for victory. Only because what people put towards it. Yeah. Their own, their, their own beliefs they put, or the beliefs that are put upon them. Actually, it's interesting the Nazi swastika isn't the true representation of the swastika. There's the Hindu swastika, which is a very sacred symbol in their religion. And that is tilted round counterclockwise. Yeah. And that is was it then believed to attract the powers of good. 
Hitler and his art team had it rotated to the left, to the right, setting it square on, which then attracted the more insidious powers, the darker powers. So, if you've got Crowley, I don't believe that. I just believe that. I'm just telling you what I read. I oh, know. Okay. Yeah. Go on then. No, if you they so they're into that, and if you think, well, we're missing a trick here, but Alistair Crowley, you know what? You know, he's actually he wants to help out. He's the most famous occultist and wizard on the planet. And he just so happens to be British. It's interesting. And he turned him down, Churchill. Churchill. Apparently there was no record of them ever applying, but Crowley's own self-importance. I, I kind of believe with this guy, who I think he'd have gone ahead and done it anyway. Whether this guy, Amando, is his son or not, that's up for debate and probably not. Mm-hmm. But... He could have been there as a kid of one of the followers. Maybe he took the name Crowley after saying that he'd been made the magical heir. Who knows? Uh-huh. Then he put his wizard's hat on and scampered away uh-huh. into the woods. Uh, yeah, so that apparently was all by, by Crowley. This attack, because Hess was very much into the occult. He was really into it. He was, in fact, the biggest believer on the Nazi oh, team. Right. So Maybe he thought, oh, they got Crowley. That was it. Maybe they thought, well, maybe I can reach some kind of understanding mm. with him. He actually went to meet a Scottish Earl who he believed was sympathetic, who he'd known uh-huh. before the war. But apparently that was also just a plan. This guy was like, no, I don't fucking want anything to do with him. He's a Nazi uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. Um, so he was mad that It was mad. He literally, just on his own accord, he didn't tell anybody. He didn't tell Hitler, Himmler, Goering. Just got in his fighter plane, flew across the North Sea, parachuted it over Scotland, in the, in, in the hope of meeting this Earl and he was arrested by soldiers and locked up for the rest of the war and then he went to uh, Spando Prison just outside Berlin I've been there it's just a castle basically it's a medieval castle do they um, perform ballet there? they do not but I'd imagine that's where they got the name from <laughs> uh, and he stayed there until 1987 when he died in mysterious circumstances could have been suicide could have been murder no one's quite sure but it isn't so mad that he wanted us to become allies. Because Hitler even even admitted himself that Britain's a natural ally of the Nazis. Well, of course. I mean, we had we had the world and they had Europe. Let's work together. I yeah, had more sort of our fascist leanings. Oh, well, it's in, in, I mean, in all fairness, a lot of the aristocracy and ruling classes didn't think Hitler was such a bad chap. Yeah. Because he had certain views against the poor that they also shared, eugenics for one where people who were considered weak or not as mentally able should be put to sleep, basically. So they did share some similar views, but in the end, the majority of them chose their country over their ideals, let's say. In the end, I guess. In the end. Few didn't. Oswald Mosley was obviously the leader of the British Fascist Party. His son went on to own the Daily Mail. I think that says everything. (laughs) Yeah, became a media magnet, magnate. Interesting, isn't it? When you think how far this country has slipped to the right in over time. Yep. And you've got a son of an ex-Nazi and a. In fact, you know what the the British Union of Fascists, which Mosley was a part of, are actually making a little bit of a comeback. Their flag hadn't been seen around in public for years until the anti-COVID lockdown rallies in Trafalgar Square, which was dispersed. So they've obviously nailed their flag to the mast of conspiracy nowadays. To Get new members. Mm. Sad. Back to the story. Heselton and the British historian Ronald Hutton of Bristol University, who has written extensively on the history of the neo-pagan movement, are dismissive of Armando's Crowley's claims. 
Hutton's research, describing his history of modern witchcraft, the triumph of the moon, wow, better than the triumph of the will, eh, Mike? Mm. Uh, has found that the very detailed diaries Crowley wrote throughout his life made no mention at all of his supposed son and trainee magician and no mention of any wartime activities or rituals. Although, as I said earlier, Crowley wrote to Britain's Naval Intelligence Division in 1939, two weeks after the German invasion of Poland, but he was never offered a job. There is some... In fact, there's no evidence that Amanda Crowley had any genuine connection yeah, to Alistair Crowley at all. It's unproven in its entirety. Hutton, the professor, goes on to say that it's not possible to know if Operation Cone of Power took place the way that Gardner described it, but he notes that Gardner's account of Operation Cone of Power at least provided an opportunity to show Gardner's patriotism when he was writing about the Richter in the 50s, a time when neo-pagan witchcraft was routinely associated in the British media with stories of Satanism and ritual murder. So if it didn't happen, then it was a wonderful way of trying to get people to regard Wiccans as being patriotic and fellow citizens instead of being some kind of enemy of society, he says, which I suppose is a valid point. You say I'm a Wiccan, oh my God, you're sacrificing children. You're, doing, you're worshipping Baphomet and you've got the pentagram. It's like, nah, dude, we're just doing cones of power, man. Uh. We're taking mushrooms and fucking in the woods and doing cones of power. Do you want to join? Yeah, we're not drinking goat's blood or anything. Nah, nah, well, not every day. <laughs> Behold my cone of power. <laughs> yeah. I'll show you my cone of power yeah. if you come in the woods with me. <laughs> Hesselton believes the Operation Cone of Power probably did take place as Garden describes because such magical ceremonies would have been an important expression of belief for the community of witches who have come to be known as the New Forest Coven. Which I guess is also a valid point. I think it's largely true, he says. In fact, I uh, turn the question on its head and reply that I think it's extremely unlikely that something like this would not have happened. He points out the group that Gardner was involved with, the so-called New Forest Coven of Witches, were mostly too old to join the armed military or civil defence forces, but were motivated by the time to take part in the defence of their country, however it could be achieved. So they used what skills they believed they had, which were magical ones, he says. And Operation Kona Power was just the sort of thing they would have done. Yeah, I don't dispute that. I think it went on, you know, whether it had an impact. Mm. I'm not saying it had an impact, but I do think that it's really fucking cool that not only that they think it had an impact, but also as a, a really cool thing to do. I just think it's awesome. I don't know, it speaks to something inside you. Like It's like Drake's drum. Mm. If Britain's ever going to be invaded, bang Drake's drum and he will return from his watery grave and scour the enemy from the seas. It's like if we're ever in the shit, King Arthur's meant to rock up again and save the land. I love mythology like that. And as times are desperate, you can't underestimate how desperate these times were. The invasion was thought to be coming any day. And you know what? If all you have got is that you think you can do magic in the woods naked and then fuck, and you think you can do something for your country, yeah, why the fuck not? Happy days. Yeah. And it's, let's face it, it's a nice little distraction from how shit things are because mm. you're on rationing, you yeah. can't get petrol, you know? You've probably got a shit ton of evacuation kids living in your house. More for mushrooms and orgies in the woods. Yeah, yeah, a bit of nettle tea and, you know, because they'd be into foraging and all mm. sorts, wouldn't they? Exactly. 
But I, I like the idea that there is a particular brand of, of British magic that maybe goes all the way back. I mean, the, the Romans wiped out the British religion because obviously its connotations of British nationalism, which was therefore anti-Roman, mm -hmm. but also because they actually kind of feared it a little bit because it was it was weird. I mean, there was human sacrifice back in the day. Well, back, they back, would, back. They they? You know, they feared it. They feared that maybe our gods aren't quite as good as theirs. They knew less than we did back then, didn't they? Well, of course, yeah, that's the belief. Every every army back then fought with superstition on its shoulder. You know, if, if, if we think their gods are better than ours, then or potentially more powerful, then we're going to be a bit wary, yeah. aren't we? You know? And the Celts would have been terrifying, you know, coked in all that woad, all that blue paint, screaming at you, they're taller oh. than you, big beards, six-foot swords, shit your pants. You know what, you're going to shit your tunic if you're Roman. <laughs> no, I like the fact that you trace that all the way back to Drake, to Napoleon, that it's been done before, that people have tried to influence the world around them with that, and I, I, I like it. It speaks well, to me. Well, it's for good. If they tried to do it for bad, then that's not good, is it? Uh, the thing about it is then you begin to black magic, which is a completely different thing. Uh -huh. But most Wiccans stay on the white side of magic, or at least go grey occasionally, but... Black magic is something they're not encouraged to do, and a lot of them don't, from what I've read. Some people practice black magic, which, but it's meant to be harmful to you. It can rebound, apparently. I like the, the thought of dancing or dancing. <laughs> yeah. mm. But it's just a little bit too close to religion for me. Mm. You know, so you're down for the orgy? Yeah, <laughs> but it's a little bit too close to religion, yeah. believing in something that is not tangible, you know. Not I'm not saying it's not possible, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying it's probably highly unlikely. Mm. So can we agree on it was probably done or something yeah. similar was done? Yeah, something. Yeah, I think that's a part. I think that's a. I think I'd put that at ninety-five percent chance. I've got a friend that dances around her garden for the full moon, and I, mm. you know, the she she celebrates the summer solstice and the winter solstice, and is really sort of in in tune with all that and yeah. happy days well it is the old religion I mean it predates Christianity getting here yeah you know I, I wish I could be more spiritual but I can't but uh, you, no. you could argue the Christians would argue oh well, you, you know he did not he didn't cross the water Hitler didn't cross the water because we prayed you know that, that's another valid point yeah every night I you know got down on my knees and I, I prayed to God and you know but then every side claims they've got God on it. Exactly. Doesn't it? Every side always says the God's on our side. Mm. Well, no one's claiming the Wiccan deities. Get them on board. Mm. <laughs> so that's why it's just too close to religion to, for, for me, you know. Yeah, I agree. I think this guy Garner turned it into a religion and so that anyone could read about it and become a Wiccan if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. But before he got a hold of it, it was very much something that was kept within specific groups in certain localities you know it's like Bob might be the butcher but then three, on a full moon he's out there cutting mistletoe for the fucking fire in the woods that he has with the candle maker and then they all get drunk and fuck and do it and it's, it's something that's been handed down a secret history of their own family in a way it's handed down from father to son or mother to daughter but now obviously then he basically gave it the um he made it mainstream, didn't he? Yeah. Yep. Got it out there, talked mm. about. 
packaged it in a book. <laughs> That's it. And if in that book you're like, yeah, hey, by the way, you thinking about joining this religion? We stopped Hitler. <laughs> we stopped Hitler invading. We did a ritual and we stopped Hitler invading. And I definitely think Crowley did something. Just because he wouldn't be able to resist. Yeah. He wouldn't be able to resist dabbling. He actually uh, took some blame for the First World War starting Crowley. Did he? He did. He said there was a ritual that went wrong. Arrogance, isn't it? I know. I know. It's fantastic. I can't remember exactly. Come back to me. I'll find out what it is. But yeah, he did some ritual wrong. Someone jizzed for they should have or oh. didn't jizz. No, they didn't jizz at all. Ah. They didn't jizz. And uh, it ritual was unable to be completed and it caused the First World War. Something along those lines. I'll check it. It's inverted it. Mm. Sucked in jizz through his penis. Mm. <laughs> and started a war. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> well, we haven't quite finished. Oh, yes. The real witches that. The real night witches. You can take this one. Meet the night witches, the daring female pilots who bombed Nazis by night. It's pretty metal. Night witches! They flew under the cover of darkness in bare bones plywood biplanes. They braved bullets and frostbite in the air while battling scepticism and sexual harassment on the ground. They were feared and hated so much by the Nazis that any German airman who downed one was automatically awarded the prestigious Iron Cross medal. Ah, uh, depends yeah. on what class of Iron Cross you're getting. There's a couple of classes and then you've got the oak leaf clusters and the laurel wreath if you was really good. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> all told, the pioneering all-female 588th Night Bomber Regiment dropped more than 23,000 tonnes of bombs on Nazi targets, and in doing so, they became a crucial Soviet asset in winning World War Two. Wow. I'm just trying to figure, what, see if I can remember how much a biplane can carry in terms of bombs, because it's probably not a lot, <laughs> is it? No. Maybe 50-pound bombs. What, have they run out of pilots? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> They had female snipers, female soldiers, the Russians. It was everyone getting in defend with the yeah. Russia, basically. We, can you carry a rifle? Fantastic. Get over here. The Germans nicknamed them the Nachthexen. Mm. Or Night Witches. I think it sounds better in German, the Nachthexen. Yeah. Because oh, watch out for the Nachthexen. <laughs> <laughs> because the whooshing sound their, pl their wooden planes made resembled that of a sweeping broom. This sound was the only warning the Germans had. The planes were too small to show up on radar or infrared locators. They never used radios or radio locators. Couldn't pick them up either. They were basically ghosts. Yeah, they would be. Yeah. Fantastic, I love it. So I proper dropped all the tech and just let them, you know. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Also, they'd have probably been the only planes that were left <laughs> at one point. Well, we've got these wooden planes. And because they're females, they were like, you can't have the good ones we have got left. You can have these shitty ones that are out paper and string. <laughs> Using female bombardiers wasn't a first choice. Sorry, I get to correct you for once. Bombardiers. Bombardier. Yes. While women had been previously barred from combat, the pressure of an encroaching enemy gave Soviet leaders a reason to rethink the policy. Adolf Hitler launched Operation Barbarossa, his massive invasion of the Soviet Union in June 41. By the fall, the Germans were pressing on Moscow. Leningrad was under siege and the Red Army was struggling. The Soviets were desperate. Of course they were. The Germans were like within sight of Moscow. The winter hadn't kicked in, they'd have taken it. And the 50 Siberian divisions who rocked up also helped. Yeah, they were ready to go. Stalin, everyone was ready to bug out. They had the train loaded. 
The squadron was the brainchild of Marina Raskova, known as the Soviet Amelia Earhart. Aww. Famous not only as the first female navigator in the Soviet Air Force, but also for her many long-distance flight records. Why don't we know about her as much? It's the enemy, isn't it? You know, she's a female pioneer. No, no, Amelia Earhart, she crashed, she failed. Yeah. Let's remember, remember her. She became the night witches and just killed the Nazis. Yeah, she became a fucking night witch and killed Nazis. Yeah. This woman's a badass. Oh, this is ace as well. That's fucking... Read the next bit. She received uh, letters from women all across the Soviet Union wanting to join the World War II war effort. While they'd been allowed to participate in support roles, there were many who wanted to be gunners and pilots flying on their own. Many had lost brothers or sweethearts or had seen their homes and villages ravaged. Seeing an opportunity, Raskova petitioned Soviet dictator Stalin to let her form an all-female fighting squadron. So like, they, killed my, they killed my husband, they killed my brother, they killed my fiancé. I want to kill Germans now and I want to fly a plane and do it and, and come out of the sky like a night witch. Uh, that is fucking badass. You find it hard to say no, you know, with you know, that letter off them and petition and whatnot. Well, that's it. And also you're like, well, looks good for me. It's extra bodies for the grinder, isn't it? The military, unprepared for women pilots, offered them meagre resources. Flyers received hand-me-down uniforms from male soldiers, including oversized boots. They had to tear up their bedding and stuff them in their boots to get them to fit. Oh, Jesus. The equipment wasn't much better. The military provided them with outdated Polycarpov Po 2 biplanes, 1920s crop dusters that have been used as training vehicles. These light two-seater open cockpit planes were never meant for combat. It was like a coffin with wings. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Made out of plywood with canvas pulled over, the aircraft offered virtually no protection from the elements. Flying at night, pilots endured freezing temperatures, wind and frostbite. In the harsh Soviet winters, the planes became so cold, just touching them would rip off bare skin. Fuck me. So imagine flying that in the middle of the Soviet winter. Uh, you've got you just you're just covered in fur, aren't you? Basically, you know your Russian little furry hat, your flying jacket, your goggles, scarf. And, oh, no radio, so you get lost, you're fucked. Yeah. You'd have a compass, wouldn't you? To yeah, yeah, but if you know, you find about it, wouldn't it? If you had a white out, yeah, yeah, you know you only got to rely on instruments, aren't you? And it's difficult. Lots of pilots get lost. Yeah, the pilots also lacked luxury items their male counterparts enjoyed. Instead of parachutes, which are too heavy to carry, oh my God. radar guns and radios, they were forced to use more rudimentary tools such as rulers, stopwatches, flashlights, pencils, maps and compasses. So they're actually plotting their course on a map by hand using the, the compass on... The, oh, Jesus. But there were an upside to the older aircraft. Their maximum speed was slower than the stall speed. What's that, man? Uh, if you go too slow in a propeller-driven fighter, the engine will conk out. Ah. So the maximum speed was slower than so the they, stall speed of the Nazis. So as you're, like, you know, flying along, the Nazis are going to be... They're going to go straight past you. And yeah. They, they won't be able to slow down. Yeah. To sort of... The wooden planes could manoeuvre faster than the enemy. Yeah. Making them hard to target. Which is actually why the, the British on their aircraft carriers used a sawfish torpedo bomber, because it was... There were biplanes, they could go about 80 miles an hour, but the German gunners couldn't actually hit them because their guns were radar controlled. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't pick them up. There's a massive downside though. When coming under enemy fire, pilots had to duck by yeah. sending their planes into dives. Almost none of the planes carried defence ammunition. 
If they happen to be hit by tracer bullets, I don't know what they are. Uh, they they ignite so you can see where you're uh, aiming. No wooden planes will burst into flames. No parachute. You're dead. In that scenario, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. And they can only carry two bombs at a time, one under each wing. They'd send up 42 person crews a night. We'd execute between yeah. 8 and 18 missions a night, flying back to rearm between runs. Obviously, the weight of the bombs forced them to fly at lower altitudes, making them a much easier target, hence night only. So they could be coming in like a couple of hundred feet above the ground, which is nothing. I mean, but the thing is with those aircraft, if you don't get hit by a tracer round, you're just punching holes in paper. Like one, when they, when they, uh, the, the British, what, the swordfish attacked the Bismarck, one plane come back with 127 holes in it. Still made it home. They, they could take some punishment if, you know, they were getting orders with machine gun fire at them. And you were very lucky. But, yeah. There were 12 commandments the night which followed. Ooh. The first was to be proud you're a woman. Ah. Fair play. Killing Germans was their job, but in their downtime, the heroic flyers still did needlework patchwork, decorated their planes and danced. They even put the pencils they used for navigation to double duty as eyeliner. Oh, oh wow. Amazing. I wonder what they did their planes up like. Altogether, these daredevil heroines flew more than 30,000 missions in total, about 800 per pilot and navigator. They lost a total of 30 pilots, and 24 of the flyers were awarded the title Hero of the Soviet Union. You know what? That's actually a very good casualty rate for a <laughs> Soviet yeah. a Soviet air unit made up of that, of those planes. Yeah. I mean, 800 missions, 800 pilots, and they lost 30. Okay, now US and British bomber crews are losing, like, you know, getting a couple of hundred guys a day or a night. They had a great fucking record. Despite being the most highly decorated unit in the Soviet Air Force during the war, the Night Witches Regiment was disbanded six months after the end of World War Two. And when it came to the big Victory Day parade in Moscow, they weren't included. Because it was decided their planes were too slow. Yeah, it would take an all day for that to get over, wouldn't it? Because it was decided... What? They couldn't they do the victory just... flyover because the planes are too slow and not... Well, why didn't they just have them in a, in a, in a march? Yeah. Or in yeah. A, you know? It's true. And they're going to get some hero submarine crew to drive their U-boat down a fucking street and through Red Square, are they? No, so they should all just be like marching down with the, yeah. you know, with the guys, shouldn't they? They should. But still, badasses and real night witches who fought Nazis. Yep. Although I like to think that you know, <laughs> the British ones did too. Yeah, I think they did a bit more than the code of power myself, don't you? <laughs> well, it depends on your viewpoint. Is Mike? I mean, Hitler never invaded, did he? <laughs> they invaded the, invaded the Soviets. He invaded the Soviets they? instead, and they stopped him. Yeah. <laughs> the real witches stopped him. The night witches. What was the German? Oh, Nachtexen. Nachtexen. Love it. Right, so I think that's it for that. We've got any fucked up facts? Or? Yeah, can do. All right, let's end the show on some fucked up facts. Can we have a theme tune, please? Mm. Facts, facts, fucked up facts, 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 facts. Thank you. Facts. Are you still going? Facts. There we go. The UK is facing a shortage of garden gnomes. Oh, no! I hate my neighbours' garden gnomes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? Oh, they just, just don't like gnomes. I just, after a while, the, the rain gets them and they look all scabby. And Yeah, I'll give you that. 
I like the stone stuff you get now, though. I mean, in, in, in my house, you've got a stone Mandalorian and a stone Hulk. Oh, that's quite cool. That sounds... They're fun. And they're quite sort of chunky and weighty. Are they painted up? Or no, they just, just, left the, just left the stone. Yeah, classy. So that, they're pretty cool. But gnomes, yeah. And everyone has them fucking ones they think are funny, where it's like they're a bit rude. Like one's got his dick out or something, you know. <laughs> I said the one bending over. Yeah. I've seen the one with his willy out. You can see his arse. And it's like... Uh, it's, you think that's funny, do you? Mm-hmm. If I was super rich, though, I'd have a fainting with a guy pissing. Why not? <laughs> Everyone has that if you're rich. I'd have it with me <laughs> pissing. <laughs> Remember the uh, One Foot in the Grave episode when he ordered a garden gnome? He got uh, that many. He was just covering oh, his, yeah, yeah, his whole lawn in, in his house. <laughs> he was infested with garden gnomes. That's right. They used to be a big thing, didn't they? I don't know how big people have them. There's better fucking garden ornaments in there at the end of the day. Everyone's moved on to fairy gardens anyway. Have they? Yeah, little fairy gardens, you know, they make little chairs, tables and all sorts of things. Oh, for fuck's it, sake. Set it up and you put some moss here. Surprised and you haven't done that, Ben. Yeah. I wish you like the fairies. I do, I'm a bit, of a, a bit of a believer in the fairy folk, yeah. They little, get little doors and they like, you know, nail uh, them fairy to, doors. to, yeah, to, to mm. trees and they live in the tree, obviously. Well, obviously. Better than the gnomes. Yeah. Yeah, gnomes could be quite evil. I think it's like fairies. I mean, they might steal your baby, turn it into a changeling and give it you back. <laughs> Who knows? Never give the Fae folk your real name. Must have done it a lot around Dawn and then call the kids alone. Trolls. <laughs> Do you want to know who you shared your love of gardening, Claire? Go on. Osama Bin Laden. Does he? Yeah. It's just going to show that all gardeners are evil, doesn't it, Claire? Is it? Yeah. He was particularly obsessed with growing big sunflowers. And he thought he deserved to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. I had to was his sunflower, biggest sunflower. Say. Now I want to know, but I, he I sh- can beat that. He should have entered in himself in the the Great Dorley Parish Council's sunflower growing competition. When's that? Well, I got sent. I think it's. I think he's been underway for a little bit. To be fair, I got sent some seeds a while back. When I never got into planting them. I'm he's dead them. <laughs> Ooh, sunflower seeds. <laughs> Some big sunflowers at the moment. Well, I'm sure the sun's very grateful. <sighs> I bet they're bigger than the Sarmin Ardens. Let's hope so, otherwise, you just lost. We uh, just lost the war on terror if Claire's sunflowers aren't as big as the Sarmin Ardens. <laughs> <laughs> In 15th century Europe, glasses were so unusual, some wearers were suspected of being in league with the devil. Doesn't surprise me, it's 15th century fucking England <laughs> or if Europe. You wore, if you wore glasses, mm-hmm. well, think about it. Uh, the telescopes, like the first sort of telescopes, like Islamic Caliphate had that kind of thing. They were actually a lot more scientifically advanced than we were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they had uh, telescopes or primitive telescopes, and we didn't. So I suppose if you can, you've got the tech to sort of, or the or the money to go over and get some, or have some made and sent to you. Then I suppose no one's seen them. They're like, oh my God, he's in league with the devil. He has four eyes. <laughs> you know. Well, they put them on and it just makes their eyes like... You've got to buy bubbles. Because yeah. they wouldn't have been to his prescription. They'd have just been a standard piece of glass, wouldn't they? They wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't have to go to the Middle East to see an optometrist. Speaking of chickens, which we were talking about earlier, was that off air? I think it was. Oh. Chickens stink, by the way, yeah. if you live next to them. In 1474, the Swiss city of Basel tried and executed a cockerel for laying an egg. <laughs> a cockerel? <laughs> Cockerels can't lay eggs. I know, yeah. Well, it could have been a transgender, if it was uh, identified maybe. as a cockerel. Maybe it was a hermaphrodite. Yeah. It's possible, isn't it? 
freak of nature, yeah. or a hen who wanted to be a cockerel. Yeah. Anyway, they executed it. Wow. <laughs> Authorities feared the egg would hatch into a basilisk, a deadly chicken-serpent hybrid. Well, you know what? That's a valid fear. I can see where they're coming from completely. I totally incubated it and just checked it out. Why not? No, because then you've unleashed a basilisk upon Switzerland. Oh. It could take over, could kill the world. You're not going to stop a basilisk in that. What century was it? The 15th. Yeah. Fuck it all in. <laughs> <laughs> all in or nothing. Yeah. We've got a basilisk and we've got just a chicken. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> when the Swedish-Italian ballerina Marie Taglioni made her last appearance at St. Petersburg in 1842, a group of her fanatical fans bought her old shoes, cut them in a special sauce and ate them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, that's... It's dedication. What's all that about? Foot fetishes? Yeah, probably. Mm. It's like those girls who were buying that internet chick's bath water. Yeah. yeah. One species of worm, Diploscapter pacis, has not had sex in about 18 million years, nearly as long as me. Yay! Hey. Wait, is it asexual? Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Oh, you just live a really, really long time. <laughs> Oh, it's just one worm that's left, frozen and clone themselves or something. Oh, they're worms. You cut one in half, two wiggle off. Not that I cut worms up or anything, just, you know, something that was told to me as a child, I don't kill worms. I like worms, they're all right. Do you get your kids to blow out the candles on a birthday cake? Yeah, yeah, every time. Apparently, blowing out the candles on a birthday cake results in a 1,400% increase in the number of bacteria on the surface of the cake. Well, yeah, it's going to, isn't it? Oh, yeah. If you think about it, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. You know, blowing on any food is, is you know, it's going to spread bacteria on it, isn't it? Yeah, my friend at Asda once told me, you know, like the fresh coat where you get your own, like, salad and, you know, What you should pasta. do is put some cling film over the cake, then put the candles on. Right, okay. It blows the candles out. <laughs> It goes into the cling film, you <coughs> put it in the bin, don't you? Yeah, but my cakes are all 3D and... Yeah, you're ruining the art, aren't you? Yeah. And, you know, what if a, a little bit of spark drips off onto the cream <laughs> torches <laughs> the cake? Am I going to, like, you know, come, oh, yeah. come along to my kid with it all wrapped in cling film? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Mum, what have you done? Well, Why is the cake on fire, Mum? <laughs> There's 15,000 microbes. Made of melted cling film in the cake. You're going to spit all over the cake, so... No, they, they, they wouldn't be impressed. No. I suppose you could use a little fire extinguisher. Maybe. <laughs> a tiny one, just with pure air in it. Well, no, that's not good. Yeah, I'd rather <laughs> You don't have pure oxygen over a fire, do you? Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have a few microbes over some burnt plastic on top of the cake. Yeah. Yeah. Tickle the microbes. It toughens them up anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exposes them to stuff. Eat some mud. (laughs) Yeah, go eat some mud, kids. (laughs) Or you could put the cans on a little cake, let him blow that out and give that to dog. (laughs) Oh, he's making two cakes. Little cake. No, no, we can't do that. Can't give the dog cake either. He's acting like there's a pandemic on us. He's just like a germaphobe. Have you been creating your plane called the Spruce Goose? <laughs> gonna come yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> That's a model. 
He's just he's gonna be there. That beard's getting longer. His yeah. fingernails are getting out. He's just he's bottling his own urine next. I've been doing it for months. I'm drinking because I'm drinking it. I'm like drinking because it's sterile. I just like taste. All oh, right. Okay. Whatever. Black hat, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. The editors. Speaking of Blackadder, this was the Blackadder episode. Editors for the first Oxford English Dictionary yeah. thought they would finish it in a decade. After five years, they were only up to the word ant. Well, fucking hell. <laughs> ant? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's not very far. They really weren't. You can imagine there's a lot of arguing on the description, isn't there? People weighing in, going, oh, you know, you shouldn't include that bit. That's not a verb, that's a pronoun. Uh, but it took a month to decide on Aardvark. <laughs> you think they would have just got, like, um, A, more people, or B, like, split them up as a go away and do some definitions. Yeah. Do as many as you can. That's all, well, they just all sat there on the same one going, hmm, mm. and, hmm. Small s- intersect. Yeah, really strong. I don't know, whatever. The smell of freshly cut grass is a plant distress call. Of course it is, they just cut their fucking heads off, they've just been decapitated, haven't they? And then there's people who go, ooh, I love the smell of freshly cut grass in the evening. It's the screams of... (laughs) Dying. It's the screams of grass, you've just been beheaded. I love it, I do. You sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) Evil with with my um, daffodils and my sunflowers. Oh, but you've beheaded many a sunflower, haven't you? (laughs) Um, not yet. <laughs> Are you going to do it with a sword or what? I might do. they got some chunky heads on them. In 2009, a South African IT company showed that it was 25 times faster to send a 4GB SD card 50 miles by carrier pigeon than it was to use the country's national internet provider, Telcom. Huh? <laughs> wow. It's insane, isn't it? 50 gig. Four gig. Four gig. It was quicker, fifty miles by carrier pigeon. Oh Jesus Christ! For four gig over the internet. Wow. Twenty-five times faster. <laughs> That's like pre-dial-up or something. Oh, um, yeah. Jesus. Well, I haven't got. I, I mean, I thought dial-up was bad, but it took you like a good thirty seconds to get to the tits. <laughs> Oof! That's terrible. Why don't you try to watch HD porn in that? Oh well, wait. any more? In 1973, Bhutan issued tiny playable vinyl records as postage stamps. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The stamps play folk songs and histories of the country. Oh, it's even better. That's Educational yet functional. I wonder if anyone's still got any. I hope so. I hope they're still doing There's it. There's a picture of one, so someone must... Does anyone know what a group of giraffes is called? Giraffes? I don't know. Um, a giraffes of giraffes? A gaggle of giraffes. <laughs> it's a gaggle of geese, isn't it? Oh, yeah. A, um, Think about tall. Something tall. Lank of giraffes. <laughs> Lanky. Tall, I don't know. Tall building. A skyscraper of giraffes. Not quite. A tower of giraffes. Tower. Oh. Sort of makes sense. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I didn't think about it. Okay. But that's to describe a group. Fucking weird though, aren't they giraffes? Mm. 
you think about it, like, how on earth did anything evolve like that? I mean, their heart has to have a special chamber to pump the blood up their neck. Mm. Is it? Yeah. Do you know why they got long necks? To reach the... No. To yeah. eat birds? No. To eat birds? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> As they go by, they don't eat That's for mating. I think it evolved because of mating. When they're fighting for a mate, they smash each other in the neck. They do, yeah, yeah. Well, you, they use their necks as weapons. So the one with the longest neck. Yeah, I guess. It's just got longer and longer. Wow. Yeah. There's something about when they drink as well. This valve has to open up to allow to stop too much blood rushing to the rushing to the head. Yeah, because I suppose as they as they bend down. Yeah. It's a lot of blood that. That's all of a sudden just goes bloop. Apparently, guide dogs poo on command. Oh. I've seen Max do that a few times. Go on, Max, go have a poo. Mm. After dinosaur-killing meteorites struck Earth 65 million years ago, it rained glass in North America. That's Mess. fucking ace, nice. yeah, love what? that. Wouldn't want to be out in that. You definitely need some kind of hat. <laughs> we'll finish on this one. The Danish for mullet is Bundesliga haar. Oh, football hair. Yeah, meaning the hair of a German football player. <laughs> <laughs> the mullet's making a comeback. I've started seeing people around with mullets. I shit you mm. not. I've seen like two in the last month at least, which is more than I've seen for. It doesn't sound a lot, but it's more than I've seen for the last ten years. They have mm. the shaved sides. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the one guy on Clarkson's farm, so that makes three if I count that. Mm. The old boy who does the wall, Derek, you can't understand because he's oh, so yeah. he's so rural. He's like, literally even the subtitles don't know what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. He just goes indistinguishable. <laughs> he's got a mullet so that's three technically but I've seen two people in Dorley with mullets they're making a comeback I'm not doing on one show. there's nothing worse than a bald mullet <laughs> I am not <laughs> on that bombshell <laughs> thank you for listening follow us on Facebook Cutting the Ball in the Post with Apocalypse SoundCloud Cutting the Ball in the PTA we're on Spotify as well YouTube Apocalypse Ball ah, I've been Ben thanks for listening don't do the favourite don't join the cult and Always unleash your cone of power. Ah. Hi, Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out, and may the force be with you. And I'll be there. Keep an open mind, but not so open that it spills out your ears. Mr. Crowley. Sorry.